Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Nation after nation in Africa, Southeast Asia, are showing what they can do with lots less resources than we have here. It's, it's really sad and to get the pity of our colleagues from overseas uh, is depressing. Over the weekend, CNN aired a global town hall featuring five former directors of the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. They served under three presidential administrations and each faced different health crises. Today, we're bringing you excerpts from that conversation hosted by myself and CNN anchor, Anderson Cooper. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta. CNN's chief medical correspondent. And this is Coronavirus, Fact versus Fiction. You know, uh, Anderson, as I mentioned earlier, trust in our scientific institutions is being undermined, uh, in some cases under pressure, even under fire from the president himself. So for that reason, any opportunity to reestablish that trust and remind people how institutions like the CDC have earned that trust over the years is so welcome. Yeah, and so important, which is why we're very happy to have five former CDC directors representing the Obama, Clinton, and George W. Bush administrations here to answer your questions. Dr. Tom Frieden is with us, former acting director. Dr. Richard Besser, Dr. Julie Gerberding, whose company Merck is advancing two vaccine candidates as well as a potential antiviral treatment. Dr. Jeffrey Copeland and Dr. David Satcher, who has also served as Surgeon General of the United States. We appreciate all of you being with us. Dr. Bester, let me start with you. We are seven months into this pandemic, still no coordinated federal response plan. There are no daily CDC briefings uh, that the public gets to see. You led the response to the H1N1 pandemic. If you were CDC director right now, what message would you try to be hammering home to this administration and the president? You know, I, I, I think what I would lead with, Anderson, is that the, the models that predict 300,000, 400,000 cases going forward uh, aren't a crystal ball. And what we do matters. And if we follow the lead of public health, if we follow the lead of CDC and do the things that are working around the globe in terms of wearing masks and social distancing and uh, washing hands and investigating cases and ensuring people have what they need to isolate and quarantine, that we can have a very different trajectory and we can get this under control. But we have to have uh, this led by public health and the political messaging and the public health messaging have to be one and the same. And Dr. Frieden, let me pick up right there because the the projections we've all heard, Dr. Fauci predicted that uh, uh, the United States could see as many as 400,000 deaths by winter. We're heading in the wrong direction. You know, we talk a lot about uh, the, you know, either you have to open the economy, shut the economy. You say that's a false choice. We're clearly not wearing masks right now. Um, Is it becoming inevitable? It's been seven months. What do you think is going to really make a difference at this point? Well, the only thing that's really inevitable is what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. And from the infections that have already occurred, we will see something like 20,000 deaths by the end of the month, additional deaths. Anytime we ignore, minimize, or underestimate this virus, we do so at our peril 
and the peril of people whose lives depend on us. We still have within ourselves, within our communities, within our society, the ability to turn this around. And if you look around the world, the parts of the world and even the parts of the US that have been guided by public health and have supported public health have done better. Dr. Gerberding, according to CNN's reporting, the, the White House declined offers from the CDC to help with contact tracing. The White House says that they did contact tracing. Um, I just in terms of contact tracing, can you accurately contact trace if you do not know when somebody last tested negative and when they actually first develop symptoms? Don't you have to kind of know that basic information in order to know whom to contact, what time frame uh, to contact of people who came in contact with that person? It's challenging in a situation where you have a disease that is often starting in the asymptomatic phase or the pre-symptomatic phase. Um, testing is very important in terms of being able to do that kind of contact tracing and tracking. And the workforce to do that is stretched pretty thin right now. So it's a tough challenge, but other countries have managed to do it. And I think we have a lot of lessons that we can learn by looking around us and trying to uh, follow in those footsteps. Yeah, I think that's such an important point. I mean, there's real time world around the world examples of what could work here for for certain. Um, Dr. Satcher, um, it's good to see you. Welcome. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we, we we saw this letter from former CDC Director William Fagey uh, to Dr. Robert Redfield. His advice to him was to essentially get himself fired by what he says laying out of all the facts in a letter to all of his employees. You know, I, I raise this because of this issue of trust. I mean, I think we're going to hear a lot of the same public health strategies, but in terms of regaining that trust, when you see a letter, hear about a letter like this from Dr. Fagey, um, as a former CDC director yourself, what, what do you make of this advice? Is that a strategy to start to regain trust? Well, um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said over 50 years ago that um, a person is really not fit to live until he finds something for which he's willing to die. Now, maybe that's a little extreme, but I think the point is we have to be clear about what we stand for and we have to prioritize in terms of the work that we do. So I think what Bill Fege was saying was that people should know that our priority is to make sure that we communicate the best available science to the American people. Dr. Copeland, there's so much misinformation going out there. And, you know, most recently, you know, the president several days ago said, don't be afraid of COVID, don't let it dominate your life. I've talked to a lot of people who have lost loved ones who found that very uh, upsetting and, and, and thoughtless. Um, but just in terms of fearing COVID-19, should we fear this virus? Absolutely. And there are 210,000 people who've passed away who hopefully needn't have uh, in different circumstances. And I think, you know, to, to the previous point that um, new leadership within CDC, um, that, that's possible. But if your bosses, if the people up the chain of command aren't supporting you. If the people up the chain of command are spreading false information, belittling important news and actions that need to be taken, uh, it doesn't work. 
Dr. Bess, let me, let me stay with this theme. As we mentioned at the top, we've asked viewers the question tonight, uh, do you trust the CDC for COVID-19 information? Why or why not? Uh, the majority, unfortunately so far, have said no. I mean, how concerned are, are you now that this erosion of trust is going to last? And, and how will the CDC get that trust back, do you think, in, in your mind? Yeah, you know, it, it, it cuts to the core when, when you read things like that. But it's, it's understandable when you, when you see instance of in, after instance of political interference in CDC's work. I think it can be regained. You know, I, I think if there was an a, a approach going forward uh, where CDC was allowed to lead, where it was clear that there was a firewall between the work CDC was doing uh, and the, the political level, that would be attainable. Uh, but when you have to filter it and you're not sure exactly which items are, are, are coming forward that are, that are pure public health guidance and which ones have had the finger, uh, political fingerprints on them, then it, it, it's really challenging. It's much easier to maintain it, trust than it is to regain it once you've lost it. And maintaining that trust requires you know, ongoing daily communication from the scientists at CDC directly to the public. Dr. Friedman, in terms of vaccines, the HHS Secretary Alex Azar projects that the U.S. will have enough vaccine for what he said was every American who wants one by March or April of 2021. Um, do you think that's a realistic timeline? Because I, I think he was standing by right next to President Trump when President Trump said, you know, anybody who wants a test can get a test. Is that a realistic timeline on this vaccine? Well, let's be clear. We don't yet know whether we are going to have a vaccine that's safe and effective. The studies haven't been completed yet. We're guardedly optimistic because it looks like there's a strong immune reaction and there are many different vaccines being tried and the trials are progressing. But for a vaccine to actually work, it's gotta not only be safe and effective, but also be accessible and trusted. And that's why it's so important that it not get politicized. Even with vaccine, there's no fairy tale ending to this pandemic. We have to chip away at the risk. Even with the vaccine, suppose it's 75% effective, which would be great. And suppose 75 or 70% of people take it, that's still only half of people being protected. We're still going to need to adjust our lives, reduce risk by wearing masks, not shaking hands, reducing risky indoor gatherings. We have to chip away at that risk so we can get to a new normal as soon and safely as possible. And Dr. Gerberding, you know, I mean, if you look at the, the numbers right now uh, from late, the latest CNN poll, they say about half the country, 51% of Americans said they, they would get a coronavirus vaccine once it became available. And that number's actually dropped, as you probably know, over the last few months. You wear a couple of different hats. I mean, you were a CDC director, but now at Merck, how do you think the CDC should combat that misinformation about a vaccine once it is ready? One of the reasons that we have so much anxiety among the Americans is because they're hearing different things from different political leaders. We haven't consolidated and cascaded the messages from reliable sources. We kind of have a free-for-all where everyone can invent their own interpretation of the truth. The good news is that science is on our side. There are more than 700 products and pipelines for treatment and prevention of COVID. So we have to be guardedly optimistic, as Tom said, about what the future might hold. And at the same time, that isn't a panacea. We've got a lot of work ahead of us. And, and Dr. Copeland, when, when, a, when a vaccine does finally emerge and, and it's distributed, um, people will still need to wear masks, won't they? I mean, the, 
I know the point has been made, but it, this isn't, it does not just disappear. No, I, th- I think that um, the idea that we can just throw everything away and don't need those masks or, or the other actions we've been taking and go back to a, an earlier era of how we lived is uh, highly unlikely. I am reminded of 40 years ago with the identification of the HIV organism that caused AIDS. Uh, At the announcement of that identification of the then secretary of HHS said, well, we'll have a vaccine for this in a year. That was 40 years ago. You know, now more than ever, I'm grateful to these experts for continuing to provide accurate information long after they've left the top job at the CDC. Just like us, they do have concerns about the future. And just like us, they have hope for a way forward. For the full discussion, check out CNN's Town Halls and Debates podcast feed. And if you have questions, please record them as a voice memo and email them to asksanjay at cnn.com. We might even include them on the next podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.